You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everyone, welcome to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. And that's Mary. Join us as we focus the spotlight back on the theater maker to uncover their process. We speak with folks in the industry that often aren't heard from. Such as stage managers, producers, crew members, marketing professionals. And everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hi my name is herman martinez pronouns he they and i'm a sound designer welcome we uh, you know we go way back to uh college days uh and mary and i and and herman were just talking about this before we started recording that we're just getting the montclair mafia on page to stage and we're, we're also coining that term the montclair mafia of double theater folks taking over the new york theater scene it's a roundup i really love to see everyone in and it's it makes me just feel so happy that i'm like oh somebody from home uh it does feel like home you know it's true it's so true and you've been so busy lately do you want to tell everybody what you're currently working on 
Absolutely. Uh, I've been I've been definitely working for sure. I got to keep the lights on. Uh, <laughs> well, today I'm opening up uh, my off Broadway debut, official off Broadway debut, uh, MCC with the production of Soft uh, by Donye uh, Our Love, directed by Whitney White, and I'm currently going to be making my Broadway debut. Wow, quick jump uh, at the St. James with the production of Into the Woods. Eee! Which just transferred from City Center, which I got a chance to see and and see you afterwards, which was frigging awesome. And it's so exciting that like it's I'm sure it's like a whirlwind. And that whole experience was a whirlwind to even like become a part of. And we'll get into that later on. Oh, yeah. Crazy. It it was a I did. I just didn't expect that. I I. For a long time, I worked on a lot of shows that, uh, you know, it was hard to get any, anybody at the foot of the door and to have so much uh, uh, eyes on this between Twitter and TikTok and uh, like I, oh, the whole community was just raving about it that I was very overwhelmed. But so it's nice to see this kind of support. And we've had a couple people from the sound world on the podcast. Uh, we've had Jess Paz, Twee McCollum, uh, two collaborators in which you've worked with before. Yes, uh, they are incredible. Jess, I consider a mentor. She is a powerful, powerful woman, um, just incredibly smart. And the way she approaches the process and sound is, is I'm in awe when I was in a room with her. And Twee, what a beacon uh, for uh, to, to build community. Uh, what a great person. I truly love Twee. Like one of the first people to uh, give me a shot. I think we also like went on a blind date, kind of like a assistant designer kind of thing. And it ended up working out. It ended up working out really nicely. And then we just kept uh, uh, working on different projects from then on. So I have a lot of love for the two of them. I love the, because I feel like with both people we've just interviewed for Sound with Jess and Twee, I feel like they both have really talked about the community and talked about, you know, the networking. And I just, I mean, maybe it's just my ignorance here, but I feel like the sound community feels very small. I don't know if you feel the same way. And so I feel like everyone works with everybody, but also everyone is just like really genuinely looking out for each other, which is just so nice to see. And I it love that. It is. It is. And let me tell you, I didn't know how, well, well I agree with, well, first, I want to agree with you and say that it is a small community. So we all, we all know who's on what show. We're all like, oh, you're over here. You're learning it with so-and-so. Uh, you're assisting so-and-so person. So we all know what's going on. So it's it's really warm in that capacity, but I didn't recognize how much of a community it was until the pandemic, really. Um, so I'm part of this organization called uh, TSCCA, the Theatrical Sound Designers and Composers Association. And so that was, uh, it was a platform that was already available for quite some time, but it really kicked off when it came to the pandemic. Um, and they really uh, jumped on to say, oh, well, everybody's at home. Let's, uh, let's do some planning. And the organization is Gear, uh, it has always been geared towards uh, advancing sound design, sharing with the role for the education um, and providing more equity and diversity and in, uh, in, uh, between the field and uh, rights all around. And so I really appreciate the group, but they took the opportunity during the pandemic to say, all right, well, we have a bunch of, ho- of people sitting at home. Let's uh, do some master classes, essentially. And it was great to talk between Jess, Lindsay Jones, Palmer Hefner, um, Nevin Steinberg. Everyone did like uh, like a video. Everybody had a class. Uh, Ken Goodwin, Josh Samuels, all people who I look up to and, and consider smart people um, and for, uh, good resources to have. So it's nice to be connected in that sense. Um, I've been also had the opportunity to like meet other folks throughout uh, between the central region, between the Western region. Um, it's nice to expand network that way. 
Well, how else? I mean, aside from this association, which sounds amazing, and I wrote it down so we can put it in our show notes for our listeners. Um, how else are you guys networking? How else are you meeting people and kind of finding the gigs? Like, is there is there another area or is there something that you're that you you've personally done that's been working really well for you? I wish that I could have invented the way. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, you got to do the old school. Uh, it's it's about getting into the rooms. Um, you show up to the calls and, and you never know who's going to be on the call. So uh, by that, I mean, I remember, I remember when I had graduated and I would take up um, a load-ins, whether it be at Theater Row or load-ins at uh, any local any of the local theaters here like uh, mcc uh, signature i tried my best to get on those calls because i knew i was just going to meet folk and there's always going to be the need for hands there's always going to be the need for somebody to run something and you know work ethic speaks for itself people will recognize um how you show up who you are and would want to give you a chance and so i've been so blessed by the kindness of uh the people around me uh that I show up with with my full self, with my hundred percent, and they go, "All right, let well, why don't you uh, get you working for me?" And um, actually, it's it's funny uh, talking to, uh, about Twee. Um, we had crossed paths one time, and I just didn't recognize it because uh, I guess I was just so busy that I just didn't I, I didn't bother retaining any information of who was in for that day. But then she had told me we were like, "I think this is the first time we meet in person." She's like, "No, we actually met in person before. I think you were just busy that day." That's amazing. If anyone who's listening maybe doesn't live in New York or close enough to New York, do you recommend still getting involved like locally, regionally, if they have plans to to jump to New York at some point in their life? Is it how important do you find it to be in proximity to the city as you're as you're growing and as you're learning? Like do you think that there is a need from a networking standpoint to make sure you're building those connections in New York even if you don't live close to it? Absolutely. So I, I guess I can only talk from my personal experience. I guess I can say I had the privilege of growing up in Jersey City. Uh, I was born and raised in Jersey City. I lived in uh, West, excuse me, I lived in Union City for a long time. And um, I had, I was a 15 minute bus ride from New York. And so I, I still am, I currently live in Weehawken. I'm quick in and out. And so that was really important to me. Uh, when I started, when I was an undergrad, where I, whereas a lot of folks, when I did summer stock, I stayed in the city and I did whatever thing I could do, uh, whoever would hire me. Uh, sometimes it was as a stage manager, sometimes it was as a sound person. Um, but to try to get that like New York sense of mind and, and see what it was to like do theater. For me, for, for right now, the picking is ripe for anybody who wants to come to the city. A lot of folks left the industry. A lot of folks said uh, theater is not sustainable right now, um, which is a, a good conversation to have. Uh, but a, a lot of folks left and anybody who did stick it out, um, there's kind of but what you had talked about, like the small community. There is like maybe 10 of us who are just swapping between jobs. <laughs> we're like, uh, I can't do this. Can you, can you? Uh, uh, and so we're all trying to like fill in the position because um, we're trying to recover from the pandemic and go uh, all these shows and and not enough folks. So I was just talking to a friend uh, who was out in, in the central region, the Midwest. And I said, listen, if you're thinking to go, it's coming to the city. Now is the time um, people will put you to work. And, I definitely recommend that. For me, I knew that the goal was always Broadway. I would always want to do that. That was undeniable. And so I knew that for me, I had to get into the, into the city. But that's not everybody's track. 
some people come to the city and figure that out um, and and end up taking different paths, which is also okay. What I would recommend is find out who the players are, find out who's doing what, who are the what's the work that you want to do, what's the work that you want to be seeing and being part of, and then you start to like find the end that way. And so you graduated, as we mentioned, from Montclair State with a BFA in production design. And so do you think you you did most of your learning in the classroom or on the job? Or would you say it's a nice even split between the two? Oof, I'm still doing the learning. What you talking about? (laughs) No, I, I, I... I want to say that right now I'm on the path of uh, uh, most growth. And what that means is the learning doesn't stop. I'm still, uh, even now, I'm still being introduced to new software, uh, new consoles. Um, What I will say is the undergrad gave me a very strong base of what the standard is, uh, what to expect uh, when you walk into a room. And for me, I'm a a very kinesthetic uh, learner. That, that gave me all the tools I needed to, to succeed. And so when you start to, uh, not me, let me speak from the eye, when I started going out and uh, working with other sound designers that weren't, you know, my professor, um, who was great, Scott, uh, Scott O'Brien, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. Um, but if I, when I started to work with other sound designers that weren't my peers, that wasn't my professor, um, I felt like it was, it was easy for me to navigate and uh, be a little uh, more flexible how I approach my work, uh, knowing what the job is at hand. And so you pick up t- uh, tips and tricks uh, from other people around, but ultimately my foundation has meant everything for me. Basically, I'm just curious if you wouldn't mind kind of, since you've worn so many different hats on Team Sound, as we've called it in our notes here, maybe just kind of giving us a breakdown or our listeners a breakdown of like what each of those roles mean in relation to any production. And if you want to use any specific production that you've worked on in the past or currently, that's totally fine with us as well. Absolutely. I mean, does anybody still wear a hat? Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we got it in there. <laughs> oh, I it's love clipped. company. It's there. It's good. Um, We've got the do, do, we, do we have the rights to say to say that? <laughs> do we have the rights? Uh, so, so just to reiterate, you want me to go over all the hats worn? I guess in, like, in- a br- like if you think of like uh, like the the organizational chart for a sound department when you're working on a production, so you know sound designer at the top, and then how does that trickle down, yeah, all the yeah, way yeah. down to the engineers, technicians, and absolutely. Um, how I can think about it immediately is sound designer, of course, ha- meets the needs of the director, uh, make sure that the creative uh, end is met. In order to fulfill that need we have the associate who will act really as a uh, second in command, uh, right hand person who will do every, uh, really be a, a backbone in the production to make all those needs melt, uh, make all those needs be met, whether that be uh, generating paperwork, whether that be communicating uh, notes, whether that be uh, taking care of it, uh, of anything else that the sound designer can't directly take care of. They are really there to support the sound designer's vision. Um, an assistant, what I've what I've learned uh, because I've been in this kind of position is that an assistant is an excellent position to bring somebody in and learn. Um, I've been a, a, an assistant in a few places uh, at the public. Um, I'm an assistant now at, at Into the Woods. Uh, again, this is my first time on Broadway. So to put me on right away is... is uh, wouldn't be setting myself up for for success um, if I'm it, in my perspective. So an assistant really is a nice position to uh, bring someone in to get somebody to learn the ropes, um, how it's done on that kind of caliber. So I think uh, an assistant position 
is really valuable in that aspect. Now, it, it's not only uh, just to bring somebody in who, who who is a little green, for lack of a better word, but it's somebody else to also help out and, and has a, the particular skill sets to, to help out in the production. Um, then we get our production audio. Our production audio, um, another backbone when it comes to uh, uh, the industry. So they're the person who is leading the crew. They're the person who is in direct communication with the associate or the sound designer. And they're the ones making it happen when it comes to like uh, getting their hands dirty. They're the ones hanging the speaker. They're the ones uh, making sure everything is worked to the specifications and schematics of the designer. Um, so to me, I have always uh, tipped, my, tipped my hat off to uh, all the production audios I've worked for. Um, it's been at regionals, so they're the ones who know the theater and the space and the equipment best. So I, I uh, go with the, their expertise. And then we jump to any of the crew, uh, and that crew might be an A1 who is oftentimes mixing a show an a2 is backstage. Um, and very often you get like an A3, which is just another A2. <laughs> And then, and then you have like the sound crew who just uh, who, who may just work for uh, the day, who might do some notes, um, but aren't directly involved with the production. I'm fascinated by like like you said the organizational chart of it all. Listen, um, it's a whole volleyball team. You can't it it just I mean, it takes a whole village to make it happen. Oh yeah, I don't. I absolutely do not doubt that at all. I'm curious. Do we see all of these positions at every level, or do we? Is it obviously more? I shouldn't say obviously, but is, I'm sure it's more common to see all of these positions filled at a Broadway level. But what about like a regional level or an off-off Broadway? No, that is a great question because it really depends on the resources of the institution. Um, oftentimes, I've had to fight to get uh, another pair of hands on because um, it really comes down to like money. Can an institution really pay to have somebody there uh, to do X amount of uh, X amount of hours for X job. Um, and so you get into situations where you do get like an army of one person uh, doing everything. Um, for me, I guess uh, I, I like working in a team. I think theater is a, a team, team sport and a team endeavor. And um, I am nothing without my associate and without my assistant. Um, I feel the strongest and more, most supported when I have, other people around me to like bounce ideas off of to, to make sure that I can ha uh, delegate responsibilities to. Um, so that, that really is a luxury to, to have that in certain theaters in re in some regionals. Yeah. There is like the house head who takes care of uh, the production audio, who is there supervising uh, the equipment, how things come in, come out, and then they hire their local people uh, to come in and load in the, uh, the system. Um, and they might have some like, the institution might have a favorite like person who like runs the show. So it really depends on like the size. Um, right now at MCC, which is more of an off-Broadway sp space. Yeah, they do. They did have a uh, production audio. Shout out to the production audios. And I did have a like a board op. So that, that, that stuff, um, it's kind of an unspoken thing of like, it is understood that to run the show, you need a certain crew. There's like the the crew to run the show. There's a crew to, to make the creative decisions and make that happen. Um, and I'm glad that some people take, uh, uh, are, are in the know of the, the difference between the two, because that just opens again, another conversation and, and jar of worms about, am I going to get paid more money to, to run the show? If I design this, am I sticking along? You know, it, it's just about resources at that point. 
And of course, play versus musical. There's different needs there when it comes oh, to staff. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you you also get your plays with music. You never know. <laughs> exactly. You know, as we were talking about before, most recently, and you're currently working on the, you know, the Broadway bound production of Into the Woods. So can you walk us through that process from your perspective and kind of like break that down for us? Um, you know, being that it was such a short, truncated process... What are some of the things you noticed that maybe were different from working on that versus more of a traditional process uh, in production where you you have a standard uh, process? Of course. So this one was very fast. I want to like emphasize to the listeners how fast this was. Uh, to get into exacts, we had an eight-hour tech. That eight-hour tech, we had to do the whole, what, two-and-a-half-hour show in that time. We had notes for the, uh, uh, a four-hour note session the next day, but then we did a dress rehearsal. So it, again, was fast. Is um, that normal for encores? For encores, yes. So the, the okay. integrity of encores is to be able to provide uh, affordable shows. Uh, the shows are often show, uh, time shows that aren't done. Uh, and let me be clear, they're, they're musicals that aren't done, uh, and they hire a bunch of celebrities, and they get them on in, in this truncated amount of time, and they do it for... A weekend. Um, now, given that this was a very unique circumstances uh, circumstance, we did it for two weeks uh, of performances. Um, I think, given the name, the the fact that it was a Stephen Sondheim show, they wanted to really like uh, give this one a little bit more TLC, um, but not enough TLC to you know have more hours of tech. But <laughs> it was a crazy process. So uh, I I was hired. Uh, I was given a call by uh, Scott Lair. Scott Lair has been doing the Encore shows for about 30 years now, one of which has also transferred to to Broadway, it being Chicago. And um, so he he kind of like uh, has been there, done that with with Encores. Yeah, other guest designers always come in and do that. But uh, at Encores, that's really like his his uh, like baby, for, for lack of a better word. So he had given me a call and said, hey, we're kind of do, we're doing this uh, this thing over at, at Encores. You want to be part of it? I said, sure, I'm, I'm happy to. And in that vein of path of most growth, I always want to learn more. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to. So I, I show up. We had quiet. Uh, we had uh, some uh, some days of load in, and some that was enough time to like program the QLab file. Our A one was programming the console so that she could mix the show. So everything is really done in advance because um, it's going to be quick and fast. So uh, we saw a run through. We talked about some sound cues, uh, and then we jumped into tech the next the very next day. And because they were so tight in the room, because they really had uh, the opportunity to 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 be in communication with the lighting designer, they would send videos of uh, what staging would be like, everybody was uh, prepped in advance to to kind of just plug and play. And anything that needed refine refining would be taken care of on on the fly. Um, In my case, we really had to uh, give a little bit TLC for like those sound cues for like those giant footsteps because those were kind of an added event. And so with uh, uh, James Ortiz and the two actors playing, uh, uh, grabbing the boots, uh, we took some time to to make sure we got each of those steps in and also program those into the console. Um, that being said, eight hours was, was just enough time to get all of that in and the other four for the next four hour day for notes was just enough to like, let's clean this up. Um, and then we showed. 
So that was the first time I've ever done that for like a for a musical that size with celebrities and you know so on and so forth. So that is mind blowing to me. I still think it's crazy. <laughs> Would is that format something that you'd like to explore again if given the chance, or is that something that's like a one and done? You'd much prefer the like standard, more traditional like production schedule. The, uh, I, I'm always for the side of like, let's sit in and, and bake in this event and have enough time. I mean, who doesn't like more time on this? I mean, really, the the integrity of the Encores production is all about the music. We're, we're in here to present the show. It's not a fully realized production. It's about the music uh, being presented in this like reading-esque style. Um, and so I inherently understand the like why that is. Um, yeah. Uh, in something like that, I can understand in uh, for something that I do a lot of plays. I yeah, give me my time of tech. I want to look at things with a, a careful eye and, and really sit and simmer with stuff. And I actually just have another question as you were talking. So when you said that you were or you guys were programming the board prior to your very quick tech, mm-hmm. is that something that you do once you're in the theater or is that something you do ahead and bring it into the theater? Uh, encores or regular absolutely it could that's a really good question so uh, it could be done one of two ways so uh yes in 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 that load-in time while uh, scenery is doing their thing uh while lights are being hung uh it is ideal for our A1 to take the time and program each scene which is containing who's going to be on stage uh who needs to be up uh in, in a musical kind of sense uh what am I doing with my band? And you know, that, that, that kind of refining happens with the sound designer during tech. Um, or you can also program it in advance. Uh, there are a lot of softwares, uh, Digico uh, Offline Editor, Yamaha CL Editor, uh, are just tools to use. I use these like nomenclature, but they're just uh, softwares to edit on the console so you can uh, have things prepared in advance. It's also done at the shops when when people are, are getting ready for the shows. Um, we'll have a day. We'll, we'll test everything, make sure everything's working. And um, if when the time allows... The A1 will take uh, the opportunity to to get some scenes in, or or at least get a a, a base layout of like what am I looking at? Essentially, uh, the A1 is going to be living at this place for X amount of time. They should be programming it uh, to to the needs of how they're going to run, whether that be making sure their DCAs, uh, just what the uh, one through eight microphones that they're controlling are 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 set throughout, or um, the layouts when you have like really big consoles where, where you have like three banks of layers, um, where are you setting your like sound designer bank so that the sound designer can come in and do tweaks on to the band or make adjustments to any of the actors. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it really, it does. I, and I feel like I have like five more, but we'll, we'll just keep, we'll just keep going. Cause I need, <laughs> I need to, it's one of those things where it's like, my brain is just like going and this, happened, the synapses. this happened with tweet and Jess too, where I was just like, it sound is one of those areas that genuinely I don't know much about. And admittedly, like I feels like with this podcast, I should know more about, but I'm fascinated because sound is one of those things to me. That's like, not, it's not tangible if that makes sense. So it's like, no, you're absolutely it's, right. It's, it's a mystery. It's truly a mystery. And really honestly, what, what like we it's, say so much is, it's uh, nobody notices us unless something goes wrong, unless something feeds back, unless something, you know, is, is not done the right way. Um, and so in general, I think it's, it's all about uh, us being like flies on the wall and, and 
yeah, flies on the wall and, and absorbing the information and just like working quickly and in advance so that no one has to wait for us. Um, that's that's my general experience. Well, when whether it be working on a musical or on a play, uh, we want to be working in advance and just like flying under the radar. Jess Paz actually, uh, when on our, our day one of of tech, she was like, uh, she wasn't there for the, for for that day, so it was uh she was uh, out of office. She had called me up afterwards and said, "Did anything blow up?" Did anyone get hurt? Then you had a great day of tech. Everybody had what they needed to do in order to work. We're fine. That is that constitutes a good first day of, of tech. And it is, I mean, it's the lowest bar of, of standard you could do. <laughs> uh, but if everyone has all the equipment that they needed to work, if the stage manager's God mic is on, if everyone, uh, if no actors were hurt in terms of like feedback happening in the room, if everyone is able to work, then it was good. And, and, in some instances where I found uh, a, pr- a production to be a little overwhelming and I, I get scared, um, I kind of remind myself of that. Of like, okay, I did my basic job. Now let's let's fulfill the the other list of my responsibilities. I'm sure each designer you've worked with has their own style, their own process, and oh, you yeah. have your own relationship with each one of how comfortable you are giving input. But I'm just wondering how much from a creative standpoint, how much creative input do you feel comfortable putting forth or is maybe expected of you as an associate or an assistant on a production? Ooh, that's a really good question. How I view it and how uh, Jason Crystal, associate to Nevin Snyberg, would probably answer is uh, an associate really is there to help the needs of the sound designer. Anything that they ask for, um, you know, under uh, under the means, uh, they are there to provide and help towards because the end goal is to make sure that the team looks good. Um, And so we're under the guise that the sound designer is the one who knows best in terms of what the needs are, what what the quote sound is best for for the production, and so we're we're following with that. Of course, there's a um, the kind of relationship and where you ask like what would be best. Uh, but I I try to keep that uh, for me as an associate. I relinquish that because that is not my job responsibility. Uh, my job responsibility is to help my designer and and make sure that the things are being asked of me to to accomplish those things and help make that happen. Now, that's not to say that I will have my I don't have my opinions of how to do things, but unless it's helpful or or uh, for the greater good, I tr- I keep those to myself. Yeah. Given all of the the many hats you've already worn, whether it's specifically with sound or any any role within theater, do you think that that well-rounded experience gives you a different perspective when you approach a job as a sound designer now and, or even as an associate, as an assistant? Um, And then kind of like parallel to that question is, is it, is it um, typical for the trajectory of a sound designer to go from like assistant to associate to sound designer or even like A2, A1, up up the the ladder if you will is that standard that is an excellent question um and i say that because yes uh for me i find it very important that i have uh, done all these uh, jobs and all i've worn all these hats so i do have a strong understanding of what it is that i'm asking for of my crew when i'm in the position of leadership asking for uh oftentimes me asking for 16 to 20 speakers up in the air and people looking at me like why do you need this many speakers uh <laughs> so uh, i i have a little bit more of a holistic uh, understanding of what i'm asking for of my crew yeah it's really normal to be, i mean i started as an a2 well 
really how I started was I started loading up speakers um, in, in whatever space that I, I could get into. And then I went to board hopping. Then I was working as an A2. Then I aid one. And then I assisted. Then I associated. So that for me, it doesn't seem unreasonable when I ask such and such of a job responsibility of someone. It's because I also I, I too understand what that's like. I've been in situations where um, I've jumped on and I've made made ear rigs as an a2 even though i was the sound designer even though that wasn't in my job description i still jumped out and helped out because i didn't want to uh, make my team look bad um, i'm there to help the production look good and not make anyone look a mess and so i will do whatever it is that i have to do in order to help out if if you know if we don't have all the skill sets there um it also allows me to like explain um, to anybody who's a little bit more on the green side what it is that I'm asking for, and, and I'll explain in, in a bigger context. Well, this is what the standard is. This is what we're what we do here. Um, I think I, I think it would be unreasonable for a sound designers to just come in and ask of things if they kind of never done the job. It just makes it seem like well, you don't even know what you're asking for. <laughs> um, I've been up into the grid. I've been up in the grid, thirty feet up in the air. I've been harnessed so I can make sure that I uh, hang a speaker safely. I um, have done my time. That doesn't mean I'm not still doing my time. I like uh, backstage with with the actors. My full my full philosophy is one to spend time with the equipment and like have the hours in. Since okay, so this would be a great transition to your sound designing hat so Ooh, since well. associates and assistants usually are hired by the designer how do you usually land a design position because that's the great mystery i mean like you know there's there's places there's job boards for just about everything but you never see a designing absolutely post, because uh, job posted uh, and for a job posting like that, for some, I mean, I, I recall using like Playbill, offstage jobs. I still uh, use those things when I'm starting out. Uh, again, those are more on the sides of uh, uh, anybody who's coming out of uh, college, anybody who is uh, uh, transitioning into this uh, into the biz. Um, those are good resources for that. TSCCA still has a nice uh, directory for members um, where the people like share jobs and, and anybody who be, could suit it for it. But as far as design jobs, um, I can answer that with this anecdote. So I did a, a reading uh, during the pandemic with MCC called Gargola. Uh, it was a uh, Puerto Rican uh, a play from Puerto Rican playwright. Um, and it was just on Zoom. And so the relationship I had with the director was very active. Uh, the way I show up into the room, I like to ask dramaturgical questions. And I always like to ask what is the end uh end goal of what we're trying to do um really it's really important to me on the on the why what are, why are we doing x for what is the emotional uh, uh catharsis that we're trying to achieve or or end goal of, of this piece what are we trying to spark um so i lead i led with that in the process and it was really beautiful to to throw things out there uh I, so gargola was about um some gargoyles. Uh, there was a time period in Puerto Rico there were people thought gargoyles were coming alive, and so that that was what this uh, ten minute play was about. People thought that gargoyles were being alive, but it was actually like this cyber hacker doing like their thing. So to make the sound of a gargoyle, I, like reverbed donkey, I pitch shifted it, I, like made it uh, put it backwards. I did a bunch of good stuff to it, um, but I would throw things out to play on the zoom room um, and the director would say, Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. I think this is a little bit too much. Can we bump this down a little bit? How, uh, 
for me, it's very important to have an ongoing relationship with the director because um, they're the ones who, uh, they're the ones uh, image who I'm trying to help create. And so my relationship with Christina, shout out to Christina, um, was so fruitful and so nice that, that the producers of uh, MCC had always taken stock of that. So Ayanna Parker, um, who is currently one of the producers at MCC, had reached out to me and said, hey, we're currently working on this production of Soft. What is your availability? Uh, it always starts with that. What is your availability, availability and are you interested? And I said yes immediately. Danya is somebody who I've admired from afar for quite some time and somebody who I've been wanting to work with. And that time frame just so happened to be like uh, available. So I said, absolutely. So for me, establishing those director, uh, so excuse me, establishing those relationships is very important. You never know who's going to who's going to be going on to direct the next thing. You never know who uh, where somebody's going to be, what institution. So it's important to make sure that you foster those good relationships because uh, oftentimes people who I've worked with in the past on kind of one-off gigs have recommended me uh, for other for other gigs um, and now I in turn do the same so okay so really what you're saying is like the relationships can come from the producer or the institutional side and even the director oh absolutely so a director a director also comes in like uh, for a director who has been working for quite some time they say like oh these these are my my tribe of people who I work with that I trust, like hire these people. Um, and it depends all again uh, on availability and interest. And then the institution will do their due diligence and um, hire them. But yes, between the relationships that you are fostering and the direct, uh, the relationships you're fostering um, and kind of how you show up into the room, people will acknowledge that, which just like circles back to like the beginning uh, portion of like our thing of like how I showed up into the room, what you bring in, is what people will acknowledge ultimately. Yeah, and that's just like such a a theme. What you just said is such is is recurring for all of our guests that we've had on this podcast over the years, right? So people obviously, it's people always say like they want to work with people who are kind. Like it's not always about the talent; it's really about like the personality because you're spending a lot of time and a lot of crazy hours or maybe sometimes mm -hmm. only eight hours with, <laughs> with with people you want to make sure it's it's a good fit not just Absolutely. that like obviously everyone has the the, the story's best interest at heart but it's like do these do these styles um like mold well you know mold maybe is not the right word there but you know do they blend really nicely you are absolutely catching the essence of what it is like it's um it's the same that people will always remember how you make them feel. If they, if you make them feel good about themselves, if you show up with, if you show up with a hundred percent, people will remember that. Um, people will also remember how shitty you made them feel, um, or the, uh, the lack of interest you were at the job or, um, how careless you were doing so-and-so, or people will also remember that and not refer you to things or just, or, or not actively speak bad, but just, pass on and fall to the next. So it's really important to, uh, for me to show up and show out in every regard. You know, for me, when I was working at uh, um, smaller theaters, I said, I'm going to show up the same way that I will at Broadway. Both are just as important to me. Um, whatever has my attention at that point is the most important to me in that time frame. Well, that's so interesting because I was thinking like, and I was trying to think, I'm, I'm still trying to think of how to craft this question. So this might come out jumbled but i was thinking because of your because of your current work situation where you're you know and also just because there's not a lot of 
is a shortage right now, you're probably overlapping, right? You're overlapping on gigs. And so sometimes you are the designer. So you are at the top of that team and you're leading that team. And maybe in the, in the same day, you're maybe, you know, talking with the designer as an associate. So it's like very, I'm sure it's very humbling of like that cyclical environment and just kind of in that constant state of like learning and kind of like pulling off the energy from people. That really wasn't a question. It was more of just like an observation <laughs> at the end of the day, I guess. But it, it's a, no, it's a really good observation. I mean, I, I before, I, for lack of a better words, was you know starting to get, catch a traction to myself. I would do the same. I would work on my on my gig that would you know pay the bills. I would run a show, and then uh, during the day, I would go and design something else, or uh, I would design something and then go off to do another show where I was designing something else. It's the, the two brain aspect of it um, really speaks a lot to like the sustainability of our, our industry. Um, but I've kind of gotten uh, accustomed to working the uh, two jobs, if not planning in advance, because, you know, again, gotta pay, gotta pay the bills, man. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, do you mind if I ask this question since it's tied to the jobs? this one that I have highlighted. Okay. So when I was looking on your website today, I saw you had audio samples or what you've called, I think, soundscapes. Maybe yeah, emotional soundscapes. environments and emotional territories. So I didn't listen to all of them because I was, <laughs> I was multitasking, but oh my gosh, I was like, wait a minute. This is, this is your portfolio, right? So this is, this is like, because I was like, this is so unique. And then I was like, no, Mary, this is his portfolio. This is what like <laughs> designers. I mean, it's, I mean, the sounds were amazing. Don't get me wrong with Thank the, you. like the, I guess I'm, I don't often see that. And that can come down to just, I'm not off. I'm not often looking on sound designers websites or maybe they just don't have websites, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's, it's obviously the equivalent of like a scenic designer having pictures of their set, whether it's yes. like from sketches to, realization on a stage and i just said what was my question okay so how do you go about choosing the the right quote-unquote soundscapes to include in their portfolio like where are you finding those clips Ooh. or how are you determining what to pull that is a good question um i do want to give like a little context when it, behind that i found when i was an undergrad and i was graduating i found it so difficult uh, a lot, i think i was yeah i was the only no 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 it was me and and, and uh abby martin shout out to abby um we were the one of two, I was one of two sound folks. Uh, I think it was like, what, 11 in our graduating class. Everybody else was a lighting designer, was a scenic, uh, something visual. And so how do you, how do you make sound a visual? It, it, you, know, you can't one, but how do I showcase that in, in, in a website format? How do I give an uh, accessible place to show this is what I can do? And so for me, when I select uh, what I end up wanting to put on on my portfolio, it's how does this communicate the things that I'm able to do? How does this showcase to somebody who does not know me and go, oh, this is where his brain goes on X project. This is what he brings to the play. This is what he's capable of doing. And so these are just tools of communication. Um, and so that I always try to lead with that uh, perspective of how do I, what, what more information can I give to someone to say, who does not know me and say, this is what I do. Um, I, for a long time, I would say, I just make sounds. And I, I still say that actually, that's <laughs> still my, uh, high end description of my job, but, um, to really take myself seriously, this is, this is how I do my job in the same capacity. 
I'm sure Beyonce doesn't have to do this because she's Beyonce, but Beyonce has her albums. That is her resume of work that she has to do. Um, how does someone, how do I showcase that? And so I pick, uh, I, there's a, there's one on my website called, uh, uh, from a production of Sueño out in Rhode Island. And so I think I, I made two pieces for that. And so, uh, the two samples that I have there are just like the most fun, ridiculous sound cues that I had that I'm like, no one else has something like this. No one else like has anything like this. How do I, how do I show that? Um, and that's important. I've, I've often, um, clicked through a lot of, uh, sound folks's website and we all have like the same three things, which are or rather the same two things, which are like drones and like all the like warbly, like wah, 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 wah. we all love that, that and like soundscape. So we'll put you in like a nature, we'll put you in like, uh, <laughs> in a babbling, a bubbling brook. Um, and so I said, you know what, how do I showcase, you weren't there. You weren't there at the show. How do I give you a little piece of the show? So at this stage in your career, having the experiences that you've had already, what have you found to be the most challenging aspect of a career in sound? Maybe it's a career in the theater for you, but what's the most challenging part? Maybe it's technically, maybe it's lifestyle. For me right now, the most difficult aspect of it, of working in, in theater is that there is no, I made it. There is no, that's, this is the one gig and I need to stop here and that, and all the doors open for me. What I, uh, I think Rob McClure, uh, had said this, um, at a talk back one time, but you have to consistently make it, you have to consistently outdo yourself. There is no, the one gig and it's going to open all the doors. You have to continue to outdo yourself. You have to continue to learn and, uh, find new ways. Um, I, I'm surprised at myself by how much I've grown since, uh, I graduated in 2018. So now for four years now, how much, uh, insight I've gained into the industry, how much I've learned, uh, with the equipment that I now use. And I, I try to keep that same fire of when I had graduated of wanting to learn more, pushing myself to try something new, um, always asking questions and, and keeping that today it's uh i just finished up a, a gig uh i want to say the other day where i was talking to a sound designer uh about mixing and i was asking what their approach was because what they had done was stunning what what i had heard in the room was beautiful and i wanted to know what was their uh school of thought and so that kind of uh, of self-starter fire under your ass cannot go away and so i've been uh I've been wrestling with that right now because it's really easy to stay uh, stagnant to kind of just be like, oh, whatever I can do uh, so and so and and let it be. Um, I have to fight that inner saboteur and always uh, push myself to continue going. So between that and uh, really the lifestyle uh, change, uh, th those are my, my, my two balancing scales for me right now. Um, and as far as lifestyle goes, it, it really is of you know, sometimes I'm just not in my house for months at a time. I spent uh, the better part of the first six months uh, traveling on the go. How do I travel better? How do I uh, work in advance? How do I um, take care of myself, which is really important? Um, how do I uh, foster those relationships uh, while I'm in a way, uh, not just professionally, but personally? Um, that, that balance is really difficult when a lot of the work is so time consuming. Um, so between trying to 
push yourself and trying to uh, stay in shape, for lack of a better word, it's it's a the most difficult thing for me right now, especially because I'm still young. I have a long way to go. Um, I'm still making mistakes. Uh, I don't have it perfect. Um, but, uh, the mo- I think the most important thing to me right now is that I'm trying to, and that I'm trying to, and, and that's the most, for me, the most, uh, um, humbling part of the job. Mary, what do you say we move into our lightning round? <gasps> Ooh. Let's do it. Kick us off. Okay, great. Um, oh, I missed this question. <laughs> Um, what is one thing in the theater industry that confuses you? I still don't understand how some folks are still not giving opportunities uh, to other uh, to other people who want to stay with their same old teams and not give chances for a new way of people. There are people who are hungry, people who can do the job, who are excited to do that. And I don't understand why people don't give people a chance. Uh, I recognize people want to uh, do a good job, but like, listen, it's theater. The worst thing that could be is bad. Get over it. There's another show. And there's a lot of things that are bad. I was oh, saying, yeah. no, no offense, but you could have the same team and it can still be bad. Uh, maybe it's <laughs> or just not like, you know, bad is subject, but you know, or it, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not um, a favorite. Exactly. And so I think I credit to my professor about that. Like the worst thing that it could be is bad. But if you're not trying something new, if you're not giving chances to people, then like, what are you doing? It's uh, then you're gatekeeping and making it like a uh, like a boys club. It's time. It's time for new people, fresh faces. Let's go reinvent the wheel. Let's uh, get with it. What are three adjectives that describe your ideal working environment? Ooh, three adjectives. Um, Collaborative, inspiring and challenging. If it's easy, I don't want to do it. I'm sorry. Uh, if it's a walk in the park, then never mind. Uh, I if don't it's, think we've gotten challenging before. Yeah, it's, it's, I credit it to Jess. Jess says if it's if it's scary, if it moves you in a certain way, like say yes to that. Follow down that path because that's that's going to be the, that's what keeps the fire underneath, and that's what's going to make you go. It's, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to make you go. It's going to make you sink or swim, or you're going to rise to the occasion. Um, so challenging. That's important to me. How do I? not do the same thing beforehand. If I do the same thing beforehand, then sure, it's, uh, you know, another way to pay the bills. But how do we how do we make it challenging? Collaborative is very important to me. Like I said, I, I'm very in conversation with my director, even with with the other departments, I want to feel engaged. I, I'm, I, I'm very empath in that way of like, uh, let me feed off of what's what's going around me. And I said inspiring, because I want to be proud of the thing that's in front of me if everyone is working at 100 i will be inspired by that i will also meet everyone where they are um i like to be around i want to be in rooms where people are excited about the things that they're doing is there something in your process that you find unique to you i have not met any other sound designer that uses uh just spanish music for their quiet time <laughs> everybody like uh uh just has a cashmere cat she has a, a, some print songs uh tweez music changes up depending on 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 the project uh some people have like their same alt alt uh rock um I've not heard any other sound designer who plays like some cumbia or some bachata or like and that's that's one I want to get the one, I want to do my job, yes, and, and tune the system, but I want to get the I want to get the crowd going too. So um I think that's unique to me. What is a book or resource that you found helpful for you in your process? 
I will say like TSGCA is a huge, it's, that's, that's not even just a, uh, a shameless plug, not just because I'm the, uh, the Eastern representative, but, um, I wouldn't have done half the things as successfully as I did if it weren't for the resources of reaching out to the other sound designers, um, reaching out to uh, Jess Paz, uh, calling up Lindsay Jones, uh, having Josh Samuels uh, uh, as as an assistant and, and by my side when I have a difficult question. Um, these other designers are resources. They are people who have done it longer than I have and have no more things than I do. And so I look at them like my encyclopedias and it, it changes the perspective of um not working against anyone the not working against my peers um or, or just really working with everyone so i've picked i've liked to think of myself as a collection of uh, all the good parts of these folk um so i would say a good resource has been tsdca because i've met all these folk and been able to use them what is one job in the, in the theater industry that you would trade jobs with for one week Oh, scenic designer. Oh my goodness. Uh, they get to clicky clicky on their, on their computer and then show up to, to, to tech and be like, Oh yeah, it looks good. All right. Bye. <laughs> this is more so, uh, uh, a shade to my boyfriend. He, he, uh, he's a scenic designer and he does exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> what is one hobby you have outside of the theater? Oh, I love to go to a good place. And, uh, uh like I discover, uh, like, good foods, especially when I'm on the road, like I will, I will always ask what's the most aggressive, like either Texas thing what's, what's the most aggressive, like Boston food that I, or experience that I could have. Cause I want to have, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tourist, per, I'm a touristy person when I travel, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit to it. And I'll, I'm here for the whole experience. You have to give me your Boston recommendations. I need to know. It was a clam, chow it was a clam chowder, the lobster Chata. tail of chat. <laughs> Of course, it was the the lobster tail, of course, um, and just eating any any of the the restaurants by by the water by the uh, aquarium, delicious. Yeah, the aquarium's really cool in Boston. So nice. All right, I'm noting this. I'm, I'm going next month. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, last question. What is the last great piece of theater that you saw? Oh, this is a great question. Um, I saw Fat Ham at the public. I was going to ask you about oh, that. Oh my goodness! I thought I thought it was perfect, and I don't I, I don't uh, I don't say that often. It, won um, the it was Pulitzer, right? I mean, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it better have right. I mean, no, it was it was perfect. I mean, that was a way to but uh, one engage an audience. Uh, the profound sadness that that is wrapped up in uh, this comedy. Um, the 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 various tools of uh storytelling that there was um the unbelievable amount of talent on stage oh my goodness i was blown away i thought that that was a perfect production from beginning to end i that is something that needs to be studied and if again this is for the listeners if by the time this is out if you have not already gone to the public catch it now while it's while the getting's good yes well tell everybody how they can follow you on social media your website all that good stuff give all the shameless plugs and Ooh. uh and of course soft is running at mcc until june 26th 
Yes, it is. Um, I'm also uh, have my first show at Repertorio Español. Uh, first time having a show in in rep, especially in in Spanish. Uh, Eva Luna. That's uh, that'll be running on for years to come. Is the is the hope? Um, Into the Woods will be debuting at the end of the month, and. Shameless plug, shameless plug. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram as uh, Herman, the sound designer. That's G-E-R-M-A-N, the sound designer. And that's it. <laughs> oh, and website, website also. Okay. To listen uh, to those soundscapes. Listen to those soundscapes. You can catch it at www.germanlikethelanguage.com. Amazing. Herman, this was amazing. I feel like, okay, so it's always crazy when we talk to somebody from sound because I live with somebody that does this. So to hear more perspective and just more, it's it's always so uh, so enriching and really, really exciting to uh, hear somebody else talk about it other than Stanley. It, <laughs> much love to Stan. <laughs> it is my absolute pleasure. And thank you both so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yay! Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.